Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Tom Moran here from Tom's Big Spiders. First off, thanks to everybody who reached out for last week. Yes, it was no podcast last week. Unfortunately, I picked up a pretty nasty cold, not the Rona. It was a cold. And it unfortunately, I was feeling good heading into the weekend. And then Saturday, I woke up and I was all congested. I couldn't stop sneezing. My throat was kind of all congested. It was just a mess. And then I was like, all right, maybe I'll feel better by tomorrow. Sunday, I got up. Sunday's obviously the day I usually record my podcast and there was no go. I could barely speak. I, I was having a hard time even just talking normally to my family because it was putting such a strain on my voice. So between sneezing constantly, I was a fountain of snot, my throat being all having to clear my throat, it just would have, it wouldn't work. So unfortunately, I didn't get to do the podcast last week. The good thing that came out of it though was while I was checking comments on YouTube, I had a better idea from what I originally had. We'll go back to the other one eventually, but I, I had a good idea of something to cover that I don't think I've ever covered before. And it gave me extra time to prepare, which was a good thing because I thought it was one of these topics that was just going to roll right into and have a bunch of information for. And there isn't a lot on it online. So it was a lot of research that led me down rabbit holes where I started reading about spiders. Next thing I was reading about humans and just a long ordeal to try to get the information I wanted for this. But anyway, today's topic is going to be about stress. We're going to talk a bit about stress, not with human beings. We all experience stress, but in terms of spiders and what types of spi uh, stress spiders will experience and the fact that I think we are all always very careful to make sure we don't stress out our pets. But what does that really mean? What, what does it mean when we say our spider is stressed? I hear the word tossed around a lot. I toss it around. It's, I think it's something a lot of us that are in the hobby will use when we, we're trying to articulate the fact that maybe some way we're keeping the spider, maybe something we're doing the spider is causing it, quote, and unquote, stress. However, I think in some instances we've gone a bit overboard with the idea of stress in tarantulas to the point where some folks seem to turn them into like little neurotic semi-humans with the amount of stress that they can accumulate and show. So what brought this on is I was answering some comments on YouTube, which again, I, I would never, I don't think I'd ever be able to get rid of the YouTube channel and, and just keep the podcast because it's such a, a wonderful way to get topics for the podcast. Like I can't tell you guys how many times I'm sitting here going, all right, we got to come up with a topic for next week. What can we talk about? You know, and, and then all of a sudden you get a couple comments in a row and it's like, they're just handed to you like, well, there's your, your topic for next week. In this case, it was almost like that because literally it was three comments in a row that I normally don't get. And it was about the rehousings. Basically, I posted up a video last week. That was when we recorded on Saturday where Billy and I were both sick. It was not a lot of fun to record because my voice was going there too. And I think that's kind of what did it for my voice because I was trying to project more and I strained. But anyway, we're rehousing a brand new Acanthus curia geniculata I recently got. And I thought overall it was a very calm, non-eventful rehousing. We basically, I don't know how many folks have actually seen the video, but we used our Limeade bottle, my Simply Limeade bottle. We kind of scooped the tarantula into it. She kicked like, I think twice. She was kind of holding onto her water dish. She didn't want to go in. We kind of pushed her in with the brush. We brought her over to the new enclosure. She slid right out. And then she sat there as we shot the rest of the video. Didn't freak out. Not a, a terrible amount of hair kicking. She kicked a little bit of hairs, but I'll tell you, her butt was almost bald already. So obviously she's one that prone to kick. And I thought it was a, a really a good stress-free rehousing. Well, somebody came on and said, why didn't you just put the old enclosure in the new enclosure? You stressed her out for no reason or something along those lines. Basically insinuating that it was a stress rehouse. 
And I looked at it for a minute and I read the comment. And again, I'm, I don't want it to ever come across. So I'm sitting there like, I'm perfect. I'm always looking for ways to make things less stressful for everybody involved, for Billy and I and for the spiders. And there are rehousings out there I've done. I will get to that in a moment where I feel like I probably put the tarantula through more stress. There's no problem. I put the tarantula through more stress than I needed to. But in this case, this was, I thought, a pretty smooth rehousing. And the comment right afterwards was, I love watching rehousings. They're so smooth. Like, that's what I want to show, how you can get the spider from point A to point B with minimal fun with minimal, again, that word, stress to the tarantula, stress to the keepers. So I was like, all right, that was odd. Well, then I find another one right after. It was from a T. Ocherty video, and it was almost the same thing. And I actually thought it was the same person at first. I'm like, all right, this person's going through, and they're just going to tear up my rehousings, whatever. I'll ignore them. But it was a totally different person. And it was kind of the same thing with, like, you stressed out the tarantula way too much. You should have just put the old enclosure in the new enclosure. Now, in both instances... The old enclosure would not have fit properly in the new enclosure. I have no problem doing that. I've done it before. There's a lot that I don't, when I don't record, especially, there's times where I just take the old enclosure and I put it in the new enclosure with some of the huntsman spiders. And I'll share a story at the end of this about the last huntsman spider transfer I had. Um, I, to just avoid the stress of the spiders bolting and, it, it, you know, trying to confine that speed, I will take the old enclosure and put it in the new enclosure. Nothing wrong with that. It is a very stress free way doing because then they can come out on their own but there are instances where you go to put the new cage the old cage in the new cage and it doesn't fit properly so for example i remember specifically for the teocrity as soon as i look at the video because what ends up happening is somebody posts one of these and i have to go back and watch my own stupid video again to kind of see what happened and sometimes there's moments where i'm like oh yeah they're right uh, that that was a screw up and then sometimes i'm looking and i'm going hmm why didn't I do it that way? And this was one of those situations where I looked at it and I was like, I remember now there was no way the old enclosure was going to fit properly in the new enclosure. And one thing you have to keep in mind when doing that is that when you put the old enclosure with the new enclosure, I've had some things adopt the old enclosure as their den, so it never leaves. I have enclosures right here in behind me right now that have old enclosures in them that have spiders still living in them. And in some instances, it's not a big deal. You put a little dram vial in a bigger enclosure, a spider comes out and wants to use it, who cares? It's, there's a lot of room. But in other cases, when there isn't as much room in the enclosure, now you have an extra, you've gained nothing. You, you've got a cramped enclosure. So in both instances, I couldn't do that, but I did find it odd that in both instances, people were talking about the fact that I was stressing out the tarantulas, which I think what it came down to in both instances, I had to poke the spider a little bit to get it to move. Like with the Ocrity, the Ocrity kept, it started to come out and then it curled back down and got in. Then it came out and it curled back down and got in. With the Acanthoscuria geniculata, she just kind of dug in. She froze. She's one of those ones where they just kind of gripped onto the, she grabbed a little water dish, she gripped onto the substrate and she didn't want to move. And I kind of just plunked her into the thing and got her in the new enclosure. But then after that, she was fine. And as I explained to the person that left the comment, she actually ate right afterwards. But it got me thinking. And then the third one, and this one, a well-deserved one. I did a video where I rehoused my H. lividus and people kept asking me to do the flood method. And whether I did the flood method wrong, whether I did, I watched a bunch of people do it. The idea is that you flood their burrows so that the spider comes out and then you capture the spider. And I've had it work before. I've had a couple situations where you, you carefully put some water in the bottom, the water level rises out, the spider comes bolting out of its burrow to get away from the flooding, and then you can cup it. And I've had other situations where you miss it because it doesn't come completely out of the burrow. It goes back into the burrow. Or in the case of... It happened, I believe, with a, I want to say for Myctopus species, or there was one of them I did, it had a separate chamber above with it. So the burrow went down, but it had built up a little chamber up top. And what happened was it got stuck in that chamber and the water filled up and it just stayed in the chamber. And I had to dig the thing out. It was a nightmare. So anyway, I tried to do a video demonstrating. We figured good or bad would demonstrate the flood method. It went poorly. It, I poured the water in, the spider got in. We had to dig out the spider in a bunch of mud. 
The spider was fine after the bag. I want to make that very clear. We got it out. It was fine. We put it in the new enclosure. That night, it, it dug out its starter burrow. It ate. It was totally okay, but it did. It was a long process. Normally, when I dig them out, I take my time, and it takes a little while, and then you find the spider kind of hunkered down in the in its den, and you pull it out. In this case, because of the mud, it just looked bad. It was wet. It was nasty, and it was not a good rehouse, but I left it up there as an example of how they can go wrong and how sometimes when you're doing rehousings, you want to stick to what you're good at and what you know. Now, unfortunately with this video, what's ended up happening over the years is that will somehow be the first video of mine anybody sees and they think I'm a total train wreck. They don't understand that out of the hundreds of rehousings, successful rehousings that I've had, that is the one example of one that went wrong and I get told how terrible I am. Have you ever kept tarantulas before? You should have your spiders taken away from you. It's become annoying. It's almost to the point where I've, I think I've commented before on the podcast, I've thought about taking it down because it just doesn't represent what I do in my style. But when somebody comes on and says, you're stressing out the tarantula on that one, I can't, one of them said, that I'm lucky the tarantula didn't die. And this is what we're going to get into in this podcast is breaking down what is real stress, what can it do to tarantulas. I don't think that was the case at all. The tarantula was quite fine afterwards, but it did look bad. It was a lot longer than it, it probably had to be if I just dug it out. So that one I agree with. But the other two got me thinking. And it wasn't an immediate, hey, what a jerk. Why are they leaving comments like that? Hey, I'm the, I'm the rehouse master. It was nothing like that. It was, let me rewatch the video a couple times and see, could I have done something differently? What could I have done differently? There was a one from a couple weeks ago. And I want to bring this one up because it just occurred to me. This was one that popped up and I was kind of, I, I went back with the person a little bit. It was a good, good conversation, but they were telling me that I shouldn't even bother using a catch cup, that I was stressing out the tarantula, trying to use a catch cup, that what I should do is just take the enclosure, always take the enclosures, just put the enclosures next to the new enclosure and carefully poke the tarantula in. And I've always referred to that as poke and pray. And there's a reason I don't do poke and pray. And that's going to, we're going to get into that when we get into the breakdown of stress. So that was another one. So four of them in a month and a half time, two of them right on top of another. Third one, I definitely warranted. I'm not even, I came back and I said, you're right. It, it went wrong. I put it up here to show people. The person came back like, oh, I didn't realize that you've done other videos and it went fine. But it got me thinking, what is stress? What are we talking about when we say our tarantulas are stress? So what we're going to talk about, and this is where I went down the rabbit hole because I was trying to find out research and use correct terminology for stress. And I'm sure, and I'm going to lay this, this is my disclaimer right off the bat. I am picking some phrases to make this easier to understand for folks. We're kind of using actual, probably psychological terms, but we're using them in a layman's way. So I'm guessing what's going to happen is some psychologists or a psychiatrist or some animal behavior folks are going to come in and they're going to say, well, what you really meant to say. So I'm prepared for that now. If anybody's out there, I was on, so I, all I was doing was reading about different types of stress because I really wanted to articulate my main point, which is we're going to talk about physical stress or physiological stress versus emotional stress. And I'm going to give kind of these stripped down Tom Moran, probably not scientifically accurate definitions, but kind of encapsulate or kind of sum up what these basically mean and then which of these are spiders actually experience. So let's start off with physical stress. Physical stress is the body's response to external or environmental stressors. It's how we respond to environmental issues around us. So for example, I'm sitting up in the tarantula room right now and it's a bit warm. If it got even warmer, I might start feeling stress because my body is overheating. It's a physical response. We know that tarantulas can experience physiological or physical stress in response to their environments. That is an unarguable, inarguable point. Inarguable? We'll go with an arguable point. 
we know that any, just about any animal, and this is where it gets like, where we talk about animals and their feelings and how bright they are, or how intelligent they are, where it gets icky because we as humans sometimes like to look at certain animals and go, well, they don't feel stressed. They don't feel quote unquote pain. And we'll get into that in a moment. I, I think of the new thing with like lobsters and they're talking about uh, now there was an animal in the UK that is now deemed to be something that feels physical pain that we didn't think felt pain before. It's all a matter what your definition of pain is. And I think this is where things get weird because there's physical stress leading to the next one. We're going to cover emotional stress, which combines. And that's what we think of with humans. You, If somebody comes in here and cuts my finger off, I'm not just going to feel physical stress. I'm going to feel emotional stress as well, which is going to be that's where we start saying fear and pain. When animals don't have those types of emotional responses, we tend to just say they don't feel pain at all. And that's obviously something that we're disproving scientifically now in many instances. So physical stress is the environment impacting the animal to the point where it can cause health issues to really kind of make it easy to understand. It's the environment being off. It's causing physical stress within the animal's body. It's causing physiological changes in the animal's body. So again, talking about the heat thing, I'm sitting in the tarantula room. It gets up to be 95 degrees. I start sweating profusely. I may start feeling nauseous. I may start feeling dizzy, lightheaded. I may end up uh, throwing up. I may have other stomach issues. That's my body's physical reaction to the outside stressors. So in essence, a spider that's kept too warm, too cold, too dry, that's been injured, that would be suffering physical stress. Now, the other type of stress, and this is where I think we tend to struggle a bit, is psychological or emotional stress. That's what we're going to call it. I've seen, uh, this is one of the ones where I ended up reading for hours on different types. It ended up me just reading about different types of stress, and I was reading scientific papers and not knowing what I was reading half the time. And it was interesting. But what is emotional stress? So emotional stress is that normal reaction to the pressures and the possibly the physical stressors of our everyday life. And that's what involves our human emotions. So we're talking fear, sadness, worry, anger. This can lead to longer term things like depression, anxiety, the emotional responses to these stressors. So again, we talk about physical stress in my bizarre, we'll go back to the finger getting cut off. Physical stress, somebody walks in and out of nowhere, they chop my finger off and there's going to be physical stress. I'm bleeding out. My body's got to respond to that. I'm probably going to go into shock, which is going to cause, you know, changes in my body and how it's running and how it's working. However, there's going to be the emotional stress of the anger or the fear. Somebody just came in, chopped my finger off. What's going on? That's going to also compound that. So, with emotional responses, they manifest, they often manifest as a response to those physical stressors. And the general consensus is with tarantulas is they're not emotional animals. This is, and, we're, and this is one of those topics that I have so many folks. And when I did kind of my thing on the weird comments I got, I did the whole podcast on some of the strangest things I've heard. There are a lot of folks out there that see their tarantulas as showing emotion, as responding to them emotionally, as being caring animals. Like right now, I went downstairs. We have my brand new dog. Well, not brand new. We got her in December. Bella adorable little dog. When I go down there, you can see her excitement when I, there's emotion. She, when I come in, the tail's gone. Her, her favorite thing to do is jump up and plant two feet in your stomach and then try to bite your hand. But it's, it's actually adorable, more adorable than it sounds. She loves being petted. She curls out. She's just an amazing dog. She shows a, a, an emotional response to my attention. 
Tarantulas don't do that. And I think maybe as time goes on, we are, we haven't done a lot to understand their intelligence. We have done some experiments, some exploration into tarantula intellect. I'm thinking of jumping spiders where they did some basic, they were able to teach them some basic skills or some basic tricks, for lack of a better term. We believe now that they have an intelligence, not an emotional intelligence, but like a thinking intelligence of like a two-year-old with problem solving and learned behavior. That's huge. And Maybe, just maybe down the line, we find out more about tarantulas and we find out that they're a little, quote unquote, smarter than we thought, but I don't, they don't have the equipment, they don't have the chemicals, they don't have, at least as far as we understand the working brain and thought process and emotions, they don't have the genetic setup for that. They're not made for emotions. So when we talk about tarantulas and we start putting, uh, prescribing emotional stress or saying that they're showing emotional stress, I believe we're kind of out of line with that. So for example, we have no evidence that tarantulas sit around all day and ruminate on their feelings. They don't sit there saying, hey, you know what? I really wish Tom would come up here and spend some time with me. Or, hey, you know, I'm really kind of hoping that the we get a little light in here because I want to sit out in the sun. I don't know. I'm thinking of weird stuff all day. We don't get that idea from them. They don't have a need to not only think about emotions, but to convey their emotions to others. And furthermore, unlike humans or even some, you know, many animals, domestic animals, especially dogs, cats, many types of animals, unlike humans, they will not develop long-term ailments like anxiety, depression, or PTSD. And we'll talk about, again, I keep saying we'll talk about this later, but there's a flow to this due to constant stress or a particularly stressful event. So what that means is there shouldn't be lingering psychological or emotional stress. So if I startle my spider during rehousing and it gets spooked and it runs all around, it shouldn't sit in that enclosure after it gets settled and think, oh my God, I hope this guy doesn't come and rehouse me again. That's I'm still freaking out over that. It's, it's so scary. The cup comes in, he st- sticks a brush in my butt. They're not doing that. They're not going to develop those types of emotions, those types of lingering issues, psychological issues because of that. And that's important because I think... We tend to empathize with our spiders. A lot of us do. I talk to mine. I know they're not listening, but they're animals to me. I'm going to talk to them just like I talk to any animal. But I think some of us empathize with them in a way that we, again, start to anthropomorphize them. We start to give them human characteristics. We start to think, my spider, during this rehousing, I've had people tell me, I had a terrible rehousing with my spider. It got up. It got in the container. It was running around the table. It was hiding under a cereal box. I got it back in. It came out again. Oh my gosh, is my spider going to be okay? And I'm like, well, did it drop? No, it never dropped. Did anything lose a leg? No, nothing like that. I go, your spider's going to be fine in like 10 minutes. Like they're going to settle down very quickly. The other animals, and I'm thinking I raised, had snakes for years where snakes sometimes would hold on to their stress for a while. You put them in a new enclosure. They wouldn't eat. They would act stressed. That with spiders, I've never quite seen that. So we, we're going to talk today as we move through this breakdown, the difference between physical stress versus emotional stress. And we're going to be concentrating on physical stress because our spiders, our spiders do experience physical stress. And it is something that honestly, just for the sake of the spider, we do want to limit, but we can't over exaggerate the impact of the spider on the spider. And by that, I mean, We don't want to pretend too much like, for example, a rehousing that takes 20 minutes as opposed to 10 minutes is going to psychologically damage our spider. That's ridiculous. Honestly, if the spider gets into point A to point B without any harm to the spider, it's going to settle down quickly. It'll be fine. So let's look at an example 
of how these two types of stress would conceivably affect a tarantula. So let's say we have a tarantula being kept in a room that is much too cold. Very, very chilly. Very chilly. We're talking 50 degrees and not a comfortable uh, temperature for most species of tarantulas. Let's get this out of the way. What would be the emotional stress or a stress response to that? Well, if I'm kept in a room that's too cold, I'm going to start feeling uncomfortable. I'm going to feel maybe angry that the heat isn't on. I'm going to feel sad that I'm cold. I'm going to start feeling stressed. Like, why is it so chilly in here? I need to get a blanket. I'm going to be thinking of things like that. A tarantula isn't going to do that. A tarantula that's kept too cold isn't going to sit there and think, oh, it's chilly in here. Man, I'm really feeling sad that my keeper doesn't jack the heat up. That's not what's going to happen. What it's going to happen is it's going to have a physical stress response, which may lead to a slower metabolism. It may stop eating. It may sit in one spot, become more lethargic. Those are physiological responses to the outside stressors of its bad environment. So, It's not going to become depressed because it's too cold. It's not going to become sad because, hey, I'm looking across the way and those tarantulas over there look warmer than me. None of that's going to happen. It may react in terms of the stress, so it may climb around a bit. It may go into a burrow thinking if it's chilly outside. uh, Some of them have the instinct where they need to climb into a burrow because in the wild, if it got really cold outside, they'd go into the burrow where the temperatures stay a little more favorable to the tarantula, but we're not going to have psychological or emotional stress. Let's get that out of our heads. So in this instance, physical stress, the tarantula is definitely going to have some probably physiological changes in response to the colder temperatures. It's not going to become a worry wart or have anxiety or depression over it. Now, let's talk about another thing we threw around that kind of falls in with this fear. This is a tough, do tarantulas feel fear? I don't want to say yes or no on this one. I don't think they feel fear the way we do. I don't think they get scared the way we do. I think they are hardwired to recognize that there are things that could be dangerous and to get the heck out of the way of them. They have defensive responses. So a spider, you go to open up the top of the enclosure, you catch your spider out and about, what are some things it could do? It could bolt immediately to its burrow. It's learned big person over me or big animal over me, that could be dangerous, I'm going to run and hide. It could start sprinting around the enclosure. It gets gets to the point where it just sprints around trying to escape. Then we can have kicking hairs. We can have threat posture, striking, because it's trying to defend itself. It feels pinned down. It feels cornered. Those are some responses that it could have. But is the tarantula feeling fear? I would say probably not the way we do in an emotional way, but it's definitely a trigger. And I try to explain this to people when they're making tarantula enclosures that are too shallow and the spider, you rip the top off the enclosure. The spider's like, ah, and they're like, oh, it's aggressive. No, the spider is defensive. It is, in a sense, it's responding to external stimuli the way it's been programmed to do, and it's going to defend itself. Can that count as fear for a spider? I guess it probably could. And that's where it gets a little weird. I don't think it's fear the way we do it. They're not going to have nightmares. They're not going to be carried up. Once things settle down, the spider settles down. Usually spiders settle down very, very quickly. But it is a quote-unquote fear response. So let's get that out of the way. Now, with this in mind, we've got the physical stressors. We've got the emotional stressors. We've broken down that we don't think they feel the emotional stuff, but the physical stuff can definitely cause them some quote-unquote stress. What are the types of physical stress that they can experience and and how, what different types of stressful situations could a keeper subject his or her spider to? So for this one, again, we're going to break it down into two different categories, which again, when I was trying to research, do some research on this, I was seeing all different ways of putting this. 
We're going to call it situational or short-term stress to start off. That's going to be our first subset of types of stressors, situational or short-term stress. And this is the type of stress that is usually the type being experienced during basic husbandry and maintenance and does not last for a prolonged period of time. So meaning it should end fairly quickly. In an instance where a spider is being cared for correctly, short-term stressors should be infrequent. And, and this is where it goes to the rehousings, they shouldn't be particularly intense. So meaning, yes, the tarantula is getting stirred out of its burrow. Yes, it's being prodded into a catch cup and moved. But it shouldn't be like the spider's getting bashed around, shaken up. It, it should be a relatively low-key event. So let's look at some spots where we would be causing our spider stress. And granted, we have to in this situation and how that might impact the spider. So the first one, the most, and this is what started this whole thing off, rehousings. Rehousing is probably the most common type of short-term stress our spiders encounter as our rehousings are a necessary part of the hobby. During a rehousing, the spider is pulled from its comfortable and familiar surroundings. It might be dug from a burrow. It might be ripped out of a web cocoon, all kinds of things. It is definitely disturbed pulled out and put in a brand new environment that it then has to become accustomed to. They they know their area. They lay webs there. They kick hairs there for the new world species. That is their area. They are in tune with it. And when we pull them out and put them in a new enclosure, that is a stressful situation. Uh, if the enclosure is set up correctly, if the conditions, correct conditions for the spider are provided, the spider should settle into their new home quickly and this should avoid long-term stress. So sometimes it takes them a little while to settle in. Sometimes it can have a slight lingering stress as they try to get you know, attuned to the new environment. But all in all, the actual rehousing itself should be a short event, shouldn't be very stressful. The Another one that people don't think of very often, and I'm putting it on here because it is a, a cause of stress for some specimens, handling. I know a lot of people enjoy handling. There's certainly instances where the spiders seem to tolerate it and they don't seem to, I know I could talk about my old H. chilensis, which you used to crawl right out into my hand. She did not seem stressed. I could see why people think their spiders could enjoy handling because she seemed to appreciate the time out and about. But I think it was more her. They were just inquisitive spiders and she was exploring what seemed to be an extension of her environment. There are other instances, though, where most spider, some spiders will be a bit perturbed by a giant hand suddenly entering their enclosure as they get poked in the butt by a paintbrush. And you'll see some things where they snap around or I love the ones where people are handling their spiders and they're carefully, you know, quickly putting their hands in front of the other trying to keep the spider walking on because the spider, all the spider is really trying to do is find sure footing. It's not so much it's exploring the like, oh, look, at he's exploring me. He's having fun. No, the spider is freaking out because it's being held above the ground and it's trying to find sure footing so those and, and before people freak out this is not an anti-handling thing i'm just stating a fact that there are instances where people handle where the spider is tolerating it not as keen into it as i just watched a video the other day where somebody was trying to handle it and the spider was jumping all around they're like oh it'll calm down and the spider didn't calm it down that is a stressful situation is it going to drive the tarantula to develop ptsd no is a tarantula going to have nightmares about the big giant hand coming in and the paintbrush going up its butt is it trying to get it into a hand no, but it is situational stress. So that is a way, and that's what kind of cracks me up sometimes because I did have somebody 
a while back that commented on one of my videos and said that I stress out my tarantulas too much. I'm poking and prodding them and blah, blah, blah. And so I kind of popped over because I noticed it was somebody that had a name like Janelle Spiders. If there's a Janelle Spider out there, that is not the name. I was trying to think of something I knew was not a name, but it was some name that sounded like they had spiders. I pop over to their channel and it's a whole channel of them handling their spiders. So I was like, all right, well, hey, mine might have experienced some stress with the rehousings, but that needed to be done. You sitting there having your tarantula climb on your face did not need to be done. So... I put that on there only because it is a situation where a lot of folks handle and it is one where we're introducing them to stress. Now, the other one, the big one, shipping. As you can imagine, being taken from the comforts of your home and packed up in a vial or deli cup between, you know, before being jostled around while experiencing wild temperature fluctuations while in transit could be quite the stressful situation. It, it, it definitely is. Whether your spiders are in transit from an overseas import being shipped to the United States, whether it's just going state to state, they're going from Connecticut to California, heck, Connecticut to Massachusetts, it's hard to deny that the shipping process could cause spiders some stress. So that's another situation where we are stressing our animals out. And then basic basic husbandry. Sometimes when we go into those enclosures and we're trying to pull water dishes out that are webbed out or we're trying to get boluses or we're trying to pull molts out. I've seen people pulling molts out of freshly molted spiders. I want to slap their hands because it makes zero sense. I know you want to save the molt to before it gets shredded but I think they don't realize that that molt is carrying vital moisture that the spider will often reabsorb into it it'll suck the moisture right out of it and that's usually when the abdomen skin abdominal skin gets torn up but anyway I digress that's causing stress so those are some things that should you know they we can't avoid it it's going to cause the animal at least some situational stress and but it should be fleeting and it shouldn't be lasting and it shouldn't leave the spiders with any lingering long-term effects. They're not going to remember the bad rehousing and have nightmares, develop anxiety, or develop PTSD. It's just not in their makeup. Now, we're going to bounce back to this in a moment, but let's get into the other type of stress. And this is this is what we should worry more about. Not saying, and I want to make this very, very clear, that when handling or shipping or rehousing or performing maintenance or any of those things, we should not be trying to minimize the amount of stress the spider goes through. That's obviously, that's imperative. That's what this is about. That's what my whole shtick has been from the beginning is trying to keep the tarantulas from getting all jacked up and excited during those rehouses, during, you know, husbandry events. But what we should be worrying about is what we're going to call long-term or chronic stress. And that's a situation with husbandry or keeping that is causing the tarantula to be in a perpetual state of physiological stress for a long period of time. Prolonged exposures to these stressors could lead to negative physiological or physical changes in the animal. So what do we mean by that? We mean that because of the setup, because of the conditions we're keeping the spider in, we are causing the spider long-term stress. This isn't, hey, I'm going to move a spider. It's going to take maximum 20 minutes and then it's going to be perfectly fine. We're talking about the spider is in a place where it is too moist, too warm, too dry, no hides, no place to hide. Just a spider out in a bear thing, completely stressed out because it's always defensive, feels like it has to react to external stimuli, anybody walking by, lights going on. That's a big one. Too many prey items dropped in at once. I've seen this one quite a few times where people drop in like they go to the pet store. They're like, oh, a dozen crickets. Sweet. I'll dump a dozen crickets in. You see a spider curled up in the corner. Crickets bouncing all over the place and the crickets take a while to die. So it exposes quite a bit. 
bright lights, folks that, you know, this doesn't happen very often, but some folks will keep bright lights right over the tarantula enclosure. Now, having a day-night cycle, nothing wrong with that, but ones that keep them on all the time, that could be an issue. Injury, that's obviously something. If something loses a leg, something's dropped, punctured an abdomen, uh, molting issues, that could cause, obviously, some chronic long-term stress. Here's one that, you know, I've been responsible for. Conflict with other specimens, social stress, and communal setups. That's, I think I shared that with my P. Metallica communal, I started to realize that these animals were probably, not only were they cramped, but they were probably living in a perpetual state of stress. Not, it didn't seem as much like my M. Balfouri communal, where they seemed to get along better. There was more friction there. Although, even with the M. Balfouri communal, if there is some type of pecking order, that's going to lead to stress. It means certain ones are going to have to fight harder for the resources that's causing them possibly chronic stress. And as I was going through this list and I'm, I'm putting these together, I'm like, man, that's one that I could be guilty of. Illness is another one, a tarantula that's ill, whether it has a bacterial infection, whether it has nematodes, whether it has mites that are stressing it out because the mites are all over its carapace or all of its mouth parts, whatever it may be, that could cause long-term stress. Poisoning, exposure to poisonous, you know, whether it be herbicides or insecticides or chemicals, that could cause it. We're talking about things that could cause health problems to the tarantula, whether from just, you know, obviously in a situation like poisoning, it could be, you know, a quick one and done type thing and the spider's dead. But with other ones, too moist, if you, we, how many times have we heard of different species that people kept too moist and were killing the spiders off? I think of immediately the GBB when folks would keep them super humid in these humid enclosures, they were dropping like flies. That was physical, chronic, physical, long-term stress that was killing the spiders. It was doing physical damage to the spider. So essentially in these situations, a tarantula on a neurological level may detect that its closure is too hot, too cold, too moist, too dry, not safe enough. It may also react to the lack of a hide or proper depth of substrate for purpose of burrowing. That's a big one. And these types of situations will in turn create those physiological stressors for the animal and could lead to health issues. These are the things we really want to concentrate on. These are the things we really want to prevent because we are causing long-term health issues to our spiders if these situations aren't alleviated. Now, emotionally, this is where people will sometimes see a tarantula that is not set up right. The tarantula is all cowering in a corner because there's not enough hides or it's too moist, whatever it may be. And they go, my tarantula is depressed. Your tarantula isn't depressed. Your tarantula isn't sad. Your tarantula is reacting to a poor environment, a poor setup, poor husbandry, basically, for lack of a better phrase. This is also where, conversely, a spider that has the correct temperature, humidity, and ability to hide may often appear calm or quote-unquote happy due to the absence of environmental stressors. Is the tarantula really strutting around like, ooh, I'm so happy, I've got everything, I've got food, I've got home? No, it's not. It's just being, it's, it's normal, it's lack of those environmental stressors are allowing it to live the spider good life, so it's stress-free. That's what it's coming down to. So it's important to recognize those are the things, that's what all this stuff is built on. That's Tom's Big Spiders is built on, is trying to recognize those husbandry issues that could cause your spider stress, trying to recognize, you know, the right types of stress to worry about. Now, this is where I said we'd go back to this. Going back to the situation or sh situational or short-term stresses. And this is where the rehousings come into it. Is Are there circumstances where situational stress or short-term stressors can become long-term or chronic stressors? It can become something more. And that's a big absolutely. Let's take a rehousing. And this is where the catch cup comes in. This is where I don't like to do the poke and pray. Let's say somebody does the poke and pray. 
they open up the old spider enclosure. They open up the new spider enclosure. They give it a little poke in the bum, and the spider goes directly in the house. Maybe it takes, and I, I'll tell you, some of the poking praise that go, well, you're talking 10 seconds, the spider's in the new house, stress-free, it's sitting down, chilling, we're good. That's a very short-term stress situation. Now, say I'm in there with the catch cup, and I've got my catch cup, and I'm trying to get the spider into the catch cup, and it's resisting, it kicks a little bit of hairs, finally it goes in, takes me maybe 10 minutes, usually that's about my rehousings are, 5 to 10 minutes, and it's in the new thing. Obviously, in one situation, the spider seems to be a little more stressed out, seems to have had experience a little more stress than the other. But here's where, this is what we really need to think more about. Which situation was safer for the spider? Which situation was safer for the keeper? In the situation with the poke and pray, I've had situations and I've seen other situations where you go to poke the spider and the spider gets spooked and it bolts. Now, say keeper number one, not the Tom Moran one. Keeper number one does the poke and pray. They poke it in the butt. The spider runs, jumps off the table, lands three feet onto the floor, hard floor below it. Maybe it breaks a leg. Maybe it ruptures an abdomen. Maybe there's some type of internal injury that is non-detected. In any case, you've caused a critical amount of stress to the animal and lingering stress because those are things that are going to continue to cause long-term stress. So now your short-term stress situation has become a long-term stress situation, a chronic stress situation where the spider is possibly, and I've seen and heard situations where spiders have dropped, the people are like, there's no bleeding, it's okay, the next molt the spider's dead because something ruptured inside, whatever it may be, you've caused the spider a physical injury, which again, falls under that chronic long-term stress. See where we're going with this. So when we're thinking about stressors, if it takes a little longer to move the spider, but there's no way for the spider to bolt off the table to get hurt. Imagine if the spider goes up the keeper's arm. That's I've seen that with the poke and pray. You, you go to poke and spider turns up whoop, right up their arm on their back. Now we've had stress to the spider. Now we've had stress to the keeper. If that spider jumps off, again, it could be hurt. That's what we want to think of when we're trying to minimize the stress. So a 20, I'll go out, I'll, I'll go on record saying a 20 minute rehousing where the spider is carefully maneuvered into a catch cup, covered the end with a piece of cardboard, moved over to the new, the new one, carefully prodded out. Maybe it digs in a little bit again, but drops in the new enclosure. I would go 100% with that with just uh, extended short-term stress than a situation where the person gets cocky, pokes the spider, the spider bolts, and the spider ends up lost or hurt. Another thing, it ends up lost in the house. I've seen situations where little slings get out, and we know what happens to most little slings. They get eaten by the house spiders. So now you have a situation where you've really caused it long-term stress because it's going to get eaten by another spider in the house. Those are the things we want to think of when we break down what types of stress are we truly trying to avoid, what types of stress are truly going to have long-term repercussions for our animals. Let's look at handling. Short-term stress, the spider gets poked in the bum. It's like, yo, what's up? Climbs up on the hand. Oh, this is interesting. I'm going from hand to hand to hand. Spider falls. Again, hurts itself. Long-term stress. We have an injury. We have dead spiders. I received an email about a month ago from somebody who was handling their T. albopilosis. They had handled her quite a bit. The T. albopilosis got spooked, bounced off the table, bounced off the floor, dead T. albopilosis. That's long-term stress. So again, not doing this to bash handling, but recognizing the fact that that is an inherent rinse. That's why a lot of people do not handle. Now, again, the ones that want to handle responsibly, they're usually sitting crisscross applesauce on the floor with a pillow in their lap with a spider just a couple inches above it. Obviously minimizes that, but there's always some type of risk there. With shipping, this one's sometimes out of our control. How many times have you heard people, if you're on the Facebook groups, that they ordered a tarantula, it's super cold out, they have a heat pack, but it gets lost for a week or so, and they end up with a box of dead tarantula. 
tarantulas. That's more long-term stress. That's something, or situations where it's a little bit late, the spider seems okay, but the spider actually froze a bit during the process and has long-term molting issues. Like the next time it molts, I've had ones, literally I had one that was shipped and it was part frozen and it had almost like freezer burn on its abdomen that showed up after it molted the second time. It looked like a brain. It was all messed up. It could have long-term, they can experience long-term physiological issues because of the shipping process. I've had people that have received packages that have been too hot and the spiders are acting lethargic. They end up dying. All of these are examples of short-term stressors that can turn into more chronic health issues if things go wrong. And that's why we want to be extra careful there. That's why sometimes a couple extra minutes during a rehouse, although people will point to it and go, oh, it's you're stressing it out, you're poking it. If the spider is safe, then it will get over it. I do want to point out, and this is probably the the best indicator of how adaptable these animals are and how quickly they get over their stress because that can't be understated. These are animals that are in very hostile environments often. They are used to having stress all around them. Their lives with us, if we're taking care of them correctly, should be relatively stress-free. But they adapt very quickly. I, more often than not, you know how they tell you when you ship spiders and you get a spider in the mail? that don't try to feed it for a few days or so. I've always been terrible with that. I will, if, as long as the spider, if the spider was exposed to high temperatures or really low temperatures, I won't. I'll give them some time to acclimate to the temperatures. But in many cases, I feed them the same night. I rehouse them. And I would say 90% of my spiders eat that night. So I don't know about you guys, but if you stuck me in a shipping container and a bunch of moist paper towels, and I'd spent 24 to even longer, 48 hours in that shipping container, and you let me out, I don't think I'd want a burger right away. I would be stressed out. I would not be able to eat. I think a lot of us know that. A spider, on the other hand, rough. It's bouncing around in the mail. It's being kicked around. It's, it's topsy-turvy. It gets out. Oh, my God, what is this new enclosure? Hey, cricket. And it eats. So that should show you right there the amount of thought, the amount of stress they're really being subjected to, the fact that they will eat that quickly. The majority of them will eat very, very quickly after being rehoused, after being sh shipped and housed into their new homes, a huge indicator that they aren't that all that stressed out. And I think that should lead us into our final point that we need to keep in mind. Are there lingering effects? We're not talking about a tarantula getting injured. We're talking about lingering effects from these transfers, from our changing their environment around. Do they have, can they have anxiety? Can they have PTSD? I've had people literally tell me that they had a bad experience rehousing the spider. It didn't go particularly well. And they were very worried that their spider was going to suffer long-term psychological effects from that bad rehousing. The answer is a resounding no, they will not. Unless you do something that impacts the spider physically or unless during those processes you introduce the spider into the wrong environment the wrong type of enclosure, whether we went through all the different variables, your spider should not experience long-term effects. So for folks who are coming on and you know talking about stress as far as rehousings are concerned and picking apart, I've seen other videos where people have had a good rehousing and somebody's come on and went, yeah, you really kind of stressed the spider out there, you're poking it so much. We need to back off a little bit because it's not that big of a deal. 
Now, should we try to reduce the duration of any necessary stressors, meaning rehousing, shipping? Should we try to limit that time, how much stress they go through as much as possible? Of course, when possible, we want to make sure they have the easiest, smoothest transfer as possible. When shipping them, we don't want them stuck. And this is one of the reasons why I no longer ship today or you know anything other than overnight because I want the tarantulas to get the point A to point B with the least amount of stress as possible. When I'm doing husbandry. I don't want to disturb. Like if I can take water dish out without ripping all the web out of the enclosure, of course, I'm going to try to get a pair of scissors, snip that thing out so I don't wreck it and cause more stress than I have to. But we always have to keep in mind that in the grand scheme of things, if you back up and take a, a you know, really think about this, a five minute rehousing compared to a 20 minute rehousing in the grand scheme of things, there's very little difference. If you're taking your time, and I've had people come to me before and say they felt like it was a stressful rehousing for the spider because it took them a half hour or 40 minutes to get the spider from point A to point B. And then I asked, did you have to dig the spider up? Yeah, I had to dig it up. Well, that's okay. It's going to take some time. Was the spider in the web? Yeah, I was trying to coax it out gently. It didn't seem to be particularly scared. That's okay. That's, there's nothing wrong with that. Take your time. I've always said to take your time. The The thing is, the, the, the individual in that situation that's going to be receiving the most stress, possibly lingering emotional stress, will be the keeper. That's the ones it most impacts. And I think what happens sometimes we get stressed out and we start going, whew, I'm stressed out doing this, so the spider must be stressed out. I'm sure there are people that watch these rehousing videos with me carefully poking the spider with the paintbrush and they get freaked out because like the spider's going to bite, it's going to bolt up the thing, and they get stressed out and they start thinking, oh, that spider's stressed out too. Not necessarily. There, That's not necessarily the case. So we need to keep that in mind. We need to be a little more careful, I think, how we toss around the word stress, how we criticize people that may be putting their spiders through stress. I can think, you know, speaking of stressful rehousings, I did an OBT one recently where it took me a little while to get the spider into the thing. We got a couple half-hearted stress poses. Somebody came on, did the same thing. You're stressing out the spider, whatever. That spider went from point A, point B, did fine. I watched another video by a YouTuber where the spider, I believe, bounces onto the floor at least twice during the course of the rehousing. That's a stressful rehousing. That's causing physical damage to the spider. If it should hit the floor, break a leg, rupture an abdomen, that's the difference between a stressful and a non-stressful rehousing. By nature of the beast, they're going to be jostled around a little bit chipping. They're going to be moved from point A to point B when we rehouse them. They're going to have us digging around their enclosures, pulling out boluses, maybe scooping out mold, whatever it may be. They're going to get over it very, very quickly. So let's always keep in perspective when we're talking about stressing out our tarantulas, let's look at the long-term stressors and reduce and eliminate those. Let's not harp too much on the rehousings. If you're doing a good, calm rehousing, you've eliminated the possibility of the spider getting hurt, you're doing fine. If you've set up enclosures that are appropriate with the appropriate level of moisture or dryness, water dishes, multiple hides, that's another thing that I see sometimes is people put the spiders into these very barren enclosures and there's no place for them to hide. That can cause long-term stress. Those are things we want to make sure we eliminate. So let's always keep those in the back of our mind. Let's keep, the, this is going to be my response the next time somebody comes on and says I stress something out. They probably won't listen to the entire podcast. What are we at now? Like 45 minutes or something. But at least I'll be able to respond 
in more depth. This is what I've been trying to respond to people that have put that comment that, listen, this is how I do it. And this is why, yes, it may take a little longer. Yes, there may be a little more prodding here. But in the grand scheme of things, that spider was never in any danger. We were never in any danger. And like I said to the person that commented on the Agent Nicolata one, she ate 10 minutes after that video was shot and happy, did a little tarantula happy dance, ate a bunch of crickets, and she was fine. So in the future, let's make sure we break down our causes of stress. Let's make sure we define them. Let's make sure we're consistent with them. And let's make sure we don't spend time you know, worrying about stuff that applying, again, it comes down to that anthropomorphization of spiders. We do, I think that's one of our, to our detriment, one of our issues in the hobby is that we do love these animals. We really do. It's, it's unfortunately, it's not a reciprocated love. They don't love us back, but we love them. We care about them. We treat them. We talk to them. We give them cute little names. And in most situations, that's fine. That's, uh, I do it too. But when it comes down to the fact that we start applying human characteristics on them in a way that it could become dangerous or become silly, that's when we need to take a step back and go, wait a minute, at the end of the day, these are spiders. My spider, because the rehousing took a little longer or because I had to pull a water dish out or because it, it spent a little extra time in FedEx before I could pick it up, it's not going to need a therapist at the end. It's going to be fine. So... Hopefully that was, I, I know, this is one of those ones I did a lot of thinking on. It's, sometimes with these topics, I sit down and I just bang them out and I'm able to talk about it from my own experience. This is one that I did a lot of thinking about, a lot of notes, trying to figure out, you know, different situations. So hopefully you guys enjoyed it. Speaking of stressful rehouses, I'll share this story here before we go. I have a lot of rehouses I have to do, a lot of them with my true spiders because they just grow so darn quickly. And unfortunately, there's just not enough time to film them all. Plus, the true spider stuff, I have to say, I love it. And I'm going to continue to run true spider stuff on my channel, but people are coming here for the tarantulas. There's not as much interest in those. So if I skip a rehousing recording, I don't think anybody's really going to miss it that much. But anyway, I have one of my huntsman spiders, my Heteropoda tetrica black needed, desperately needed a rehousing. She was in one of those like four by four by seven, whatever the heck the size is. AMAC boxes, she had put on quite some size, it was about four inches, four and a half inches or so. And it was, I was feeling sick. There was no way we were going to record it because I could barely talk. Billy was downstairs busy and I always call her up to help me. So it was one of the rare rehousings I decided to do by myself. I should say rare. I do a lot of tarantula rehousings by myself because they're fairly, man they're very manageable to me and I don't need that second person there. But this was the first time I attempted one with the huntsman spiders and talk about a lesson in humility and, and about not being cocky. I had a plan in mind. I had basically glued the cork bark to the side with hot glue to the side of the container. And usually when I do this with a hot glue, if you just apply a little pressure to the, the, cork bark, it pops right up. The hot glue gives away and you can just take the cork bark right out. I don't know what I did with this one, but I took the, I had it, my enclosure, my butterfly enclosure out. I had it inside the butterfly enclosure. I went to pop the, the cork bark up and it wouldn't move. It wouldn't budge. And I was afraid I was going to hurt the spider. I was going to come flying off. The spider was going to go bolting. So I had to give up on that idea. It was behind the cork bark, between the cork bark and the side of the plastic of the container. So I tried basically poking out with a brush. It came out, came out over the enclosure, ran laps around the butterfly enclosure and then went back into the enclosure behind the cork bark. Then I couldn't get it to move out from behind the cork bark. So I'm trying to figure out a way to get this spider out of there. And this is the point where I should have said, Billy, can you come up and help me for a minute? I need a second set of eyes. But again, I was feeling good about it. I figured I could figure it out myself. It wouldn't be a big deal. And I didn't want to bother. So what I ended up doing is I put the container upside down and decided to do kind of a variation of the flood method where I would fill the container up with water to the point where the spider would carefully come out. 
And then I would cup it on the side of the container or side of the enclosure, the butterfly enclosure. No problem. So I set the container in there. I put it inside another larger plastic container because there were ventilation holes that the water would come out of. Took two bottles of water and carefully started pouring water into it. And the spider, it was working great. Spider comes out a little further, a little further, gets to the edge of that container, and then all hell broke loose. <laughs> it jumped from the container to the side of the butterfly enclosure, circled a couple times in a blink of an eye, and before I could close up the butterfly enclosure, zip it up, it jumped out, landed on my shoulder. I had a moment where it seemed like an eternity where I looked down like I really should have had Billy up here, but I couldn't even finish the thought because then it jumped back over about three feet into the brand new enclosure that I had set up for it. So I'm like, great. I reach over to grab the top of the enclosure. It goes up to the top of that enclosure, jumps back on to the butterfly enclosure and then bounces off that and jumps onto the Simply Limeade catch cup and just sits there. So now I'm sitting there staring at the spider that is on my table that I've seen how quickly it can move, how far and how quickly it can jump, trying to figure out how to get it back into the enclosure. So again, should have called Billy up, but I'm like, you know what? I can't lose sight of this thing right now because after seeing how I, again, I, I will call myself out. I underestimated it. My fault 150%. I should have known better. I was starting to get more comfortable with the true spiders. And I needed a reminder like this, a little kick in the butt to go, hey, buddy, you're not that good. So basically what I ended up doing is putting, taking the butterfly enclosure, which opens from the front. I turned it so the opening was upside down and slid that over top of the Simply Limeade container and over the spider so it couldn't jump out. As soon as I put it over, it jumped on that, started circling a few times. Luckily, what ended up happening is the spider... Basically, you know, with spiders, they only have so much speed left in them. We call it spider speed where they bolt for a little while and then they basically fatigue quickly. I waited till it fatigued quickly. I was able to get the new container underneath it. It went into the new container, put the cap on, sweating like a pig. Wow, that didn't go well. It was it was a bit of a nightmare. Probably, no, no joke, The probably the worst rehousing I've ever had. All my fault completely. Could have easily been avoided if I just kept it in that container if I had had Billy there to back me up to be able to see where the spider was going lesson learned so there's a situation where if I like if I had recorded that and I kind of wish I did because it would have showed I could have broke it down and showed people where I screwed up that this was totally avoidable but there was a situation where if that spider had leapt off of that simply limeade container and over onto the shelf behind it with all the spiders there it could have been a nightmare scenario with me trying to find the spider with the spider getting lost in the room luckily with the huntsman they always usually i believe they usually end up going up so when they get out you find them towards the ceiling so i probably would have found it eventually but who knows what could have happened to it so Lesson learned. I'm sharing it here. Unfortunately, there's no video of it to put up. I would look like a total idiot with it. I came downstairs. It's funny because I sent Billy a picture at one point of the spider all curled up in the corner of the, the butterfly container. And <laughs> I, I won't share the choice language I use, but I'm like, the spider's looking at me going, up yours, Tom's big spiders. They didn't quite use up yours. But it was kind of like a way to remind myself that, hey, don't get cocky. Keep to your bread and butter. Do what you know how to do and do things safely. So, there's an example of one that could have been bad. Luckily, she went into her new container. And again, back to our original point about tarantulas or spiders calming down very quickly. I dropped a cricket in a couple hours later, came back up a half hour later. She was eating the cricket. So after all that hoopla, her bouncing around, flying around, using up all her spider speed, she ate. She's fine now. And she looks like she's probably in pre-mold. So it ended well, but could have been worse. And I'm sharing it here to show that, hey, we all screw up once in a while. That was a big screw up on my part. And you can bet your bum, I will not do that again. 
So that will do it for this one. As always, you can find me on thomasbigspiders.com. I will probably be doing an article about the stress one. I did some notes on it. I think that would be a good one to put up there for an article to remind, you know, even to remind folks who've been in the hobby for a little while, but to also get people that are just getting into the hobby to recognize that, hey, if your rehousing take a little while and there's a little extra poking and prodding, as long as you're keeping your spider safe, it's fine. I think that would be a good message to send. Also, obviously, on YouTube, the YouTube video I just put up, my Zenestis Intermedia, I always want to say species because there's so many Zenestis quote-unquote species, Intermedia video, rehouse it. She looks gorgeous, starting to get her adult colors. Really, those Zenestis species are amazing. That will do it from this one. As always, guys, stay safe, and we'll catch you all next time.